week's episode, we covered the death of Spider-Man, the evil progression of Shazam, and a murderous rampage in the Rockies. And no, I'm not kidding. It's all happening now on Cover B. What's up, everybody? Happy hurricane, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so we're based in Florida. Yep. And we are patiently awaiting the arrival of Hurricane Dorian, uh, who started out as like, oh, this is going to be like a Cat 1, NBD, no big deal, we got this. Mm -hmm. And then then it was a Cat 3, and then it was a Cat 4. So right now we're just sort of chilling. Now it's down to a Cat 1. Like, it's down to, like, oh, it's going to landfall and be a cat one. And then other people are like, it's going to landfall and be the apocalypse. Yeah, I'm just kind of waiting to see where Jim Cantori goes, because wherever he goes, that's where you don't want to be. It's true. Um, yeah. You follow him, and that's how you decide <clears throat> where it's safe. Anyway, speaking of other, like, <laughs> bombastic whirlwinds of titanic force, the D23 Expo was this past weekend. <laughs> That was a flawless transition. Thank you. Um, We won't go into depth about it because there's billions of articles about everything that happened. But T, what was your highlight of the D23 Expo? She-Hulk. She-Hulk. True. Uh, And also (laughs) She-Hulk. Oh, what about She-Hulk? Yep, yep. That sounds good, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Nice. Feeling it. Feeling it. No, but for real, like... She-Hulk, Miss Marvel, we got some cool stuff coming, y'all. I'm excited about Moon Knight, um, and I'm also excited that Tom Holland is optimistic about Spider-Man's future. That's a good sign. So. I mean, all still you can no do resolution is hope. on that front, by the way. So that's that's fun. Uh, anyway, let's talk comics. Yeah. So we'll dive in with the whirlwinds of bombastic force themselves, Marvel, namely House of X. It's still happening. House of X number three came out, so the we're officially halfway through the twelve part series. And I gotta say, guys, House of X number three is good. Is that it? That's yeah. I mean, so <laughs> the first three issues of this thing was just Jonathan Hickman being like, "Here's a bunch of questions you're gonna have, and here's some like crazy reveals." And now we're into, like, the story. So now it's just kind of like a comic. And it's a good comic. It's an interesting comic. I'm intrigued. Well, I mean... But it's just kind of a superhero book. Okay, hang on. Here's an introduction to our cat, Ash, who likes to make herself known. She is currently trying to get to the microphone. It's it's pretty adorable, but... There's two kids to meet. It's Ash. Now she's getting kicked out the room. That's what happens when you interrupt the podcast. Oopsie poos. Yeah, so I also read this ep- issue, and I agree with Chris in that it's it's kind of like it. we're sort of in the meat of it now, and we're not at one of the key issues that are labeled in the back of the book. There's like three more weeks before we've got one of the key issues. This issue does end on a cliffhanger, which is pretty dope, and the implications are lots of dead people which if true and if stick damn hickman you go hard but i don't know if they actually stick what are we talking about 
the potential deaths <laughs> that took place at the end of this issue, the cliffhanger we oh, left yeah, with. Oh, yeah, yeah. And if, if yeah. those stick... I forgot you read House of X. I do. I do read it. I was like, it. surely she's moved on to something else. No. no, no. But, um, yeah, so that's, I, you know, if if it's true that the people that are supposed to be dead at the end of this issue are actually dead, again, damn, Hickman, you go hard. Yeah, but it's just, it's just comic book stuff. You know what I mean? We're going to yeah. come to House of X 4, and it's going to be like, we safely teleported away. Jean Grey made a protective bubble. I don't know. This is Hickman. Hickman. Anyway. Hickman don't care. House and Powers still worth picking up, um, but not really much to report on this side. This one did come with uh, the official alphabet. Oh, that's yes, it did. So that's pretty fun. But I've already cracked all the things, so like, yay, cool. Yeah, I mean, it's not like like super exciting. Um, but yeah, it's it's still really fun. Good art, good X-Men stuff. Anyway, moving on. Nice. I'm going to go to a different side and go to Spider-Man. Um, this week wrapped up Chip Zdarsky's Spider-Man Life Story. Nice. Um, number six. So it took place in the 2010s. If you guys hadn't heard about it, the Life Story uh, run was essentially what would it be like if Spider-Man had actually lived out his life in proper sequential and aging order had mm-hmm. he started in the 60s and then grown up the yeah, way yeah. that normal humans would grow. Yeah. And so what was cool about this is that Chip did a really great job of highlighting all of the impactful um, storylines and moments of Spidey history, but they took place in these cool little like vignettes. And so everything from the clone conspiracy and Ben Riley to Gwen dying to Doc Ock, you know, body snatching to <laughs> Miles Morales being introduced. <clears throat> all of these different things and Civil War even like not even just Spider-Man related stuff, but like comics as a whole. They they he did a really great job of introducing all of these different things and putting them into a timeline and into a life story and showing how impactful they are while not while both giving them importance and showing their like large scale effect but also bringing it down and drilling it down to how would these individual things actually affect a normal dude mm-hmm. because that's ultimately what you're saying here is that all of these insane things that have gone down supposedly in Spidey's life you know, that's one dude that's handling all this crap. Yeah. Like, having your body snatched, and then also having a clone, and then also just, like, everything. It's just insane. Um, I thought this issue did a great job wrapping it up. There was something, mild spoiler, but, I mean, it's kind of assumed. Um, but at the end, Peter dies, sacrificing himself for the world. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> there was something oddly cathartic about it. Um, I guess because we've seen so many iterations of Spider-Man and so many stories of Spider-Man and so many people have written him and there have been a bajillion movies and different types of movies and there, there's just been so much that like sometimes Spider-Man, while I adore it, feels tired. Yeah. And there was something so cathartic about watching old man Spidey just like done now. Well, yeah, and so often with Spider-Man stories, like, once his stories reach a certain point, 
you know, in his life, quote unquote, reaches a certain point, something swoops in and just changes it and like yeah. restructures stuff and retcons things, you know, brand new day being the infamous Ugh. kind of version of that. Um, you know, the time when he got the black suit, the alien suit, that was a big time that of like changing Spider up way. Spider-Man. Um, you know, that, that kind of stuff. That's pretty much how it goes. It's like, oh, Spider-Man, like we're telling the same stories over and over again. What do we do? Let's just sweep the table. You know, it's like a group of writers will come in and, you know, in movies when like, you know, someone's like talking to somebody at their desk and the person's like being rude or not paying attention. They just like fucking like, <laughs> like sweep everything <laughs> off the table. Yeah. It's like writers will come in and be like, listen, you know, we need something new for Spider-Man. And the editors are like, oh, no, Spider-Man's in a good place. And they're just like, <laughs> just like sweep all the Spider-Man shit off the table. And yeah. then you get like brand new day. This is what you get. But yeah, like it was, it was just, it was just really satisfying to give Spider-Man cool. a conclusion. And uh, one thing I did want to note, um, just a little, so a little aside, something that I really appreciated was that Chip um, gave Mary Jane a cool ending in that she basically became May, like mm -hmm. old lady, kind of alone, children out of the house now yep. she's taking care of the new one she's taking care of miles and it it's it's so cool just to see the way like he she was even drawn similar to the way may was like i don't know it was just really cool because they kind of they transitioned it in this really cool way and i thought it was really appropriate of chip to be like pass the torch not through peter through her yeah and i was really like cool. that was really that was dope that yeah. was dope but anyway yeah it's a six issue mini um Probably not terribly hard to find. You know what's cool, now that I think about it, is I think that makes Mark Bagley, and I don't have, like, full, like, support of this. I would have to look into it. But I think uh -huh. Mark Bagley is officially the first artist to kill off Spider-Man twice. Oh, that's dope. Because he was doing the ultimate run. When oh. Peter yeah. Damn. So... He just, he, hmm, he knows what he likes to do, It's huh? amateur hour. Chris's phone is still on. Listen to his <laughs> notifications. Go pick this thing up. It was really good. It's six issues. It's quick. But it, if you like Spider-Man, and maybe you like Spider-Man, but you don't know how to get into Spider-Man, maybe you're a movie person, this was fun. This was nice. It was a good, it kind of helps you get acquainted with all of the important life's milestones of the spidey it's nice when marvel's willing to do like fun like minis like that like just limited six issue issues. things it's not yeah. an event it's not like some sort of big like world changing thing it's just like creator who gives a shit about a character and another creator who gives a shit about a character taking the time with this character that's why old man logan was so good yeah because this is out of left field in the middle of a wolverine run yeah. And they were like, let's do this. And they dove into it and did it. I think and, this had a yeah. very similar esteem to that. Because yeah. it was just, it was it was done very thoughtfully. So, but yeah, go pick it up. Cool. Um, I'm going to talk about, uh, I really, I really want to talk about this movie. I was really excited to talk about this. Uh, so Marvel Comics 1000, number 1000 came out. And I know what you're thinking. You're revving up the chainsaws, lighting up the torches. Um, why do you have chainsaws? You are a very intense mob. You need to chill, first of all. Uh, um, everybody watches The Walking Dead, dude. Yeah. Second everybody's of all, prepared now. I know it's a gimmick. I get it. I get it that it's a gimmick. 
they watched Detective Comics Reach a Thousand. They watched Action Comics Reach a Thousand. They looked at all their comics and they were like, shit, we can't reach a thousand in a timely manner. Because I think the furthest they have is Spider-Man, which had 800. Yeah, that's right. And so that's got 200 issues. So even if you pump two out a month, puts you at 24 a year. So it puts you at close to 10 years, like eight years or so to get to a thousand. So they put out Marvel Comics 1000. It's this big-ass $10 issue, and it was so much fun. It was super <laughs> fun. Like, it was super gimmicky, fine. It does have an overarching story by Al Ewing setting up a new character, Ooh. and apparently something that's going to happen in 2020. And that's what I really like about it is the way they set that up is really cool because each page in this book represents a year. So they, like, have a comic. Each page is by a different creator, a different artist. And they have just a one-page comic. And some of them tie into this, like, overarching story. Like, there's these people investigating the secrets behind some sort of mask Hmm. that, like, makes people... It was, like, designed by these magicians to make, back in the Middle Ages, to make uh, any normal person be able to fight and like persevere at the level of like knights yo that is some dial so, h for hero yeah, or so dial like, four for hero or whatever dial h uh so it doesn't affect you if you're already super powered so you can put the mask on at a superpower it doesn't make you more super powered huh. but if you're like a normal schmo you put it on you can like fight black panther and like jump around with spider-man and stuff like it gives you like super abilities it doesn't make you like the hulk like you wouldn't be able to like punch the hulk's fist as he punches yours and it sends off shockwave you would just turn into a human pudding um (laughs) but it makes you like better at a better you it makes you superhuman cool um so that's kind of the overarching story and then there's also this story going on that appears to be some sort of journalist or something um interviewing these different heroes like why do you do what you do? What makes you who you are? Like, what do you fight for? These kind of, like, overarching questions. Which felt very Marvels. Like, the Marvels project yeah. they did with, like, the journalists and stuff. Um, and then both of those kind of threads tie in at the end. And oh, it's really cool. cool. Um, but it was just fun. Like, it was just a fun book. Each page, like I said, represents a year. So they have, like, a note on it. Kind of like, uh, you know, what I was saying about Marvel's history of the universe. Yeah, The history yeah, yeah. of the Marvel universe, that one that's going on right now. Right. Um, it was like a museum. It was like walking through a museum. So you'd be like, oh, what cool thing happened? And it was really funny because it was like, for decades, it was like really important shit. Like, oh, first time this person appeared. And like, oh, this person, big story arc everybody knows about. And then you get to like the 90s and 80s. And it was like a Wolverine Punisher miniseries starts. <laughs> And I was like, wow, you guys really had shit going on in the 90s and 80s. Because <laughs> you'd have, like, an Age of Apocalypse happens. And it's like, oh, okay, cool. Spider-Man gets his black suit. All right, yeah, cool. And then it would be just, like, some random, like, this event happened. Ooh. You know? And it's like, oh, sweet. Fun. <laughs> Great. Um, standouts for me, I, re- I love, probably my favorite one was the 1984 one, which was referential of when spider-man got his suit the black suit okay um i think that's what they were referencing on that one anyway it's 1984 it was a spider-man story uh written by brad melter with art by julian tedesco one of my faves i love tedesco um it's absolutely like 
in a one-page comic, one of the most like emotionally like gut-punching books, like like stories. That's true. It's a weeper. Ever. It's it's just it gets to a point. Something happens. Spider Man does something, and it's like the cutest, sweetest, most heartfelt thing, and it's just adorable. You get up um, in your feels. Nineteen ninety seven. Uh, I don't know what they were referring to on that one, but Deadpool. Uh, there was a Deadpool story for 1997, uh, written by Gabe's, uh, Gail Simone. Love Gail. Uh, with art by David Baldion, who I also love. That team it was great. They were doing the domino runs. Uh, I hope they keep working together. That one's just super fun. Gail Simone writes a mean Deadpool. Um, you know, I'm not that much of a Deadpool fan. <laughs> <laughs> Week two in a row that I've mentioned a Deadpool story. Um, there's a fun Batman cameo in that one. Which I thought was really oh, that's funny. great. Um, and then the 2010 one was a Mary Jane recap by J. Scott Campbell. Um, oh, my God. And it just went through. It was literally Mary Jane starting from her first appearance where she's, like, obscured by a bush. And it's, like, this person trying to interview Mary Jane. And for whatever reason, it just keeps fucking up. And they're, like, cut, you know. And it just goes through the decades of all the, like, weird things Mary Jane has transitioned to. And it's very, like, meta about, like, how her character has just, like evolved completely changed and he even makes fun of himself (laughs) so like in one of them the interviewer is like holding up that classic cover of her like pushing her boobs together and spider-man's like swinging away oh in the window yeah like the j scott the j scott campbell cover i love that cover he's like holding that up and she in the background is like sitting like a normal person would on a couch like lean back like slash <laughs> eating chips, just like dropping chips on. Oh herself. my god, that's amazing! And she's like, "You don't think I'd actually sit like that, do you?" <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing! And I'm like, I never would have thought J. Scott Campbell would sit here and be like, "I'm gonna make fun of myself." He seems like I've never met him, you know, but he seems like the type of guy, you know, he's the type of guy that has a booth at cons and doesn't show, you know? Yeah, what I mean? yeah. So like, he's a kind of ego, like a little bit of ego there, yeah. and maybe thinks he's hot shit. Um, which is fair. He makes tons of money off of his art. I love Jason um, Campbell. His stuff is gorgeous. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> I am a fan of the pretty face. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but he straight up just like made fun of himself. That's that awesome. Really funny. So that is awesome. Uh, Marvel comics. Number 1000. It's definitely worth a pickup. I know it's 10 bucks. It's a bunch of different covers. They did the whole decades thing that DC did with the detective comics. 1000 action. 1000. Um, so you can pick your different ones. Some of them are, Getting a little bit more hype, like the Mark Brooks 1940s one and the Julian Tedesco uh, 1980s one, which is the one I went with because it's got my girl on it, She-Hulk. Um, love She-Hulk. Uh, I'm super excited for She-Hulk. Yes. <laughs> She-Hulk. If you didn't know. Um, so definitely pick it up. It, it's super gimmicky. I know. I get it. I get it. It's a gimmick. I get it. It's basically a $10 marketing ploy. But it was fun. It was a fun marketing ploy. You know what I mean? In the way that, like, Going to a Disney park. Disney park is very much just like a shitload of marketing. Yep. Still fun. Still totally fun. I like to do it. You know what I mean? Like you ride Star Tours at Hollywood Studios and it's essentially just like, remember this Star Wars movie? You know? But it's still fun. And then you leave and you go buy a bunch of Star Wars shit you don't need and it's amazing. I I have no shame. So Marvel Comics number 1000. Pick it up. Nice. So... This is a weird thing I'm going to talk about, but there's a reason. So, the new issue of Runaways, number 24, came out this week. Mm-hmm. Um, for those of you who have not been reading Runaways, but maybe you want to read Runaways, this would actually be a really good time to get s- to is start Is that still it. being written by Rainbow Rowell? Yes. That's cool. I'm um, glad she stuck with it. Sometimes, like, an author 
dive onto a comic, and then they'll be like, eh, you know, it's fun. Yeah, and then no, someone, she's... like an actual like comic book writer comes in and is like, well, I'll do it. But, yeah, like, no, she's... cool that it, she's sticking it out. Yeah, she is, and it's it's a really she good had run. A, she had a story in Marvel Comics 1000, I believe. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah but no, it's really good thus far, the, the whole run. Um, but this is a good starting on point. It looks like they're kind of transitioning to a new kind of like story arc. Um, and it's focusing more on Nico and Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're interested in jumping into Runaways, maybe you watch the show and you're like, I want to know what that's all about. This is a good one to, to pop into. Um, but that's not actually why I want to talk about this issue. Something happened in this issue that is something that happens in comics sometimes. And I really hate it. <laughs> it bothers me significantly. Mm-hmm. Um, so the end of this issue, some stuff's going down. They're in trouble. Nico and Carolina need help. Things are looking down for our dastardly duo. And suddenly somebody shows up and is like, I'm going to help you. Derp, der, der. And the last page is essentially a reveal page. But here's my issue. Hmm. There's no context. There's just a dude. Is it Doc Justice? I don't know. <laughs> no, but that's that's my issue. I don't know. It's not a Deadpool reveal. It's not a Spider-Man reveal. It's not someone you immediately recognize. I don't know. And I hate that. And I'll tell <laughs> you why. No, I'll tell you why. I uh, am an avid comics reader. Yeah. I've been reading for a while. Mm-hmm. I have not been reading since 1974. I have not been alive since 1974. Okay? I can't know everything... Or everyone in all of comics and all of time. If this reveal is meant to be a, look, new character, ooh, exciting, then you should put some flavor text that says, ooh, who is this mysterious man? What will he bring to Carolina and to Nico? How will it affect the story? Find out next month. Give me flavor text. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise, I'm sitting here as an avid comics reader who doesn't like to feel stupid, reading the book, seeing a new person that I've never seen before and cannot recognize identifiably. Who was that guy? Yes, it was that guy. It was Doc Justice. Yeah, here's the thing. I don't know who that is. He's nobody. Yeah, it makes me feel stupid. <laughs> he doesn't exist yet. That's what I'm saying. But that's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's the issue. If it yeah. doesn't, if, if I don't know he doesn't exist, if you don't give me flavor text to know he doesn't <laughs> exist... I assume I'm missing something cool. Well, does he exist now? See? Exactly! <laughs> That's the point! That's what I'm Wait, saying! Maybe he is. Maybe That's he what is. I'm saying! If he already exists, well, then I'm an idiot. I'm the asshole who doesn't see the big reveal. I'm the comics reader who Just... literally spends more money on comics than I do on groceries every week, but I don't know who this big, cool reveal yeah. is. Yeah, he doesn't exist. He's fake. It doesn't matter. I mean, not fake, but they're they're moving the runaways into Doc Justice and the J team or whatever. They've been talking about that for a while. But we know that because of like news and stuff, and that's yeah. cool. Yeah. But but in the context of the book, it's bullshit to make you're me s- feel stupid. You're supposed to feel this way. I don't like that. <laughs> that's not how you should feel as you're a You're not supposed reader. to feel stupid. You're supposed to feel bewildered and intrigued. But I don't. I feel like I miss something cool, and then I'm stupid. But that's more on you. But that's what I'm saying. Comics do that. Give me flavor text. 
Give me some type of clue. I didn't want everything to be available and clear and obvious. I'm not saying obvious. I'm just saying don't make me feel like I'm missing something. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Is because that's a genuine issue. Like, if you introduce something, like, there are certain authors, I'm not going to drop names, but there are certain authors that do some deep cuts to find very specific characters and very strange scenarios that happened in, like, 87 that don't matter or to like, anything in history. Or, like, Donny Cates being like, hey, that guy in the background that was just a throwaway set piece of this one Thor book back in the early 2000s. I'm going to make him a character. That's what I'm saying! <laughs> like, there are these deep cuts, and, like, He's cool, like a dude now. Yeah, and, like, it's cool that you're bringing back cool characters or you're uh-huh. elaborating on stuff, but don't make me feel stupid because I don't know about your weird deep cuts that no normal person should know. And that's kind of the implication. A deep cut, it's, it's a new character. And that's great. <clears throat> but there's no implication that it's a new character. It's just a character and the way it's revealed makes me feel like I should know who it is already. And by not knowing who it is, I assume I'm a bad comic reader. You are. Why are you so mean? <laughs> Why don't you know who Doc Justice is? I'm so disappointed in you. <sighs> anyway, Runaways is pretty cool. You should read it. This is a good jumping on point. What else did you read? Uh, Marvel Monsters number one. So here's what I'll say about Marvel Monsters number one. The story sucked. Uh, Ouch. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was bad. It was just kind of dumb. Uh, but that's not why it's a book worth picking up. Because okay. in the middle of this book... so. The whole thing opens with everyone's favorite throwaway character from 2017, Kid Kaiju, rolling in and being like, hey, I'm relevant. And then he finds a book about monsters and is like, whoa, let me read this. And so then the next following pages are this dope-ass like gallery of different Marvel monsters. And it's like on the left-hand side is a really cool just full splash page done by various artists. Like Clayton Crane does one. Oh, that's neat. Uh, some other people do ones. I forget who do all of them. Uh, but and then on the right hand side is this like sweet ass like Godzilla style. There's like Japanese text like anatomy page oh. that lays out like all their abilities and like has like crossed sections cut out so you can see their organs and shit. Oh wow! It's fucking cool. Like it is a really cool book. It feels like you know those um. Back when we were kids, I don't know if they still make them, but, like, back in the 90s, you could buy for, like, different nerd-type things or, like, history and stuff, these, like, illustrated encyclopedias, and they were, like, huge books. Yeah, dude. And you, like, flip to it, and it would be, like, here's the Roman Colosseum, and it would, like, take, like, cross-sections out and, like, have all kinds of text. Like, I remember seeing in. those like, in my, people my walking school around. library. You'd get them at, like, the Scholastic Book Fair and stuff. They were always way beyond the amount of money I was given to go to my book fair. But I did see them at the library. I'm so sad for you. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I had a bunch of them for, like, you know, I had a, like, I feel like I had a handful of, like, history ones about, like, famous buildings and stuff. And then ones that were, like, animal-based and ones that were, like, Star Wars-based, probably. Um, but it was, it's just really cool. So it's like, I don't know how many pages, handful of pages in the middle of this book. And it picks up the stupid story again and you can close the book at that point. Um, 
it's setting up whatever kid kaiju thing is gonna happen next listen marvel if you're gonna give us a story focused on monsters we don't want kid kaiju we want elsa bloodstone that's just what it is and jeff there's and jeff there's a cool monster related character in the marvel universe and then there's kid kaiju i'm just saying he's got a hoodie and he draws pictures and monsters come to life and the monsters he chose are like two transformers looking motherfuckers and like a tiny bug guy who says things weird cool dude those are super sweet monsters you already have some cool effing monsters use those have elsa bloodstone in the mix have and a cool jeff. book make it gritty and fun because like and jeff and freaking jeff the land shark fine and jeff the land shark thank you but like you know if you're gonna do a monster book which is what this seems to be setting up this is just a one shot but it seems to be setting up they introduce max frankenstein who's like a kid frankenstein and is building monsters it's obviously gonna be a young that adult sounds thing kind of bad. but like there's so many cool like i mean the end of uh mighty thor run so the end of jane austen right jane austen uh jane foster jane foster's <laughs> my brain was like jane austen let's have a quick <laughs> literary discussion <laughs> at the end of pride and prejudice um <laughs> you know it was it was what was it man dog right yes came and just like gave mr killer. darcy the stomp and then <laughs> tore asgard a new a-hole you know what i mean oh, so Lord. like these old ass monsters from like the timely comics days and the early marvel comics days can be really cool characters oh yeah and this book proves it because it lays out all these monsters and has them like destroying buildings and shit and laying out all their powers but they just insist on being like we're gonna make them friends with a preteen the only reason you ever need to do that is when it's an girl. Yeah. You have badass monsters like Fin Fang Foom, who is an unstoppable shapeshifter from another planet who could spit acid and wears little blue shorts. And survives to the end of time. Fun yeah. fact. And you're going to go with some, like, Harry and the Hendersons bullshit. Yeah, that's stupid. You know what I mean? Like That's dumb. It's just not cool. But pick up the book because the art in the middle is awesome like i i will probably from time to time just pull that book out and just like peruse those pages because those are dope if i could get those i wish like i want marvel to make prints of those oh, pages that would be the cool. anatomy pages because that would be a sweet like collage on a wall yeah that would be really of all dope. those prints um but it's worth picking up at least for that so nice. and hey support marvel monster books because then maybe we'll get more and the marvel monsters need it on their way so that is legit Speaking of Thor, um, Thor 16, technically, technically, the end of Hickman's Thor run. Um, Aaron. Yes. Sorry. Jason. Jason's Thor run. <laughs> um, but, so he's doing King Thor next, which is a limited publication. And that's going to be, I think, finally wrapping up all of the crazy business that goes down at the end of time. Um, cool. I literally think Jason's intention is to end the Marvel Universe. Which cool. is so ballsy yeah, and right. like amazing. And we already have like a hint. Like basically the only things surviving at the end of time are Wolverine and Thor. So that's going to be interesting because I think doom and fing fang foom and all of the ridiculousness that that stuff was 
got wiped out somehow. Nice. Anyway, we'll f- learn all of that in King Thor. But this is the technical end of the Thor run. And it was a happy ever after story about Thor not showing up to his coronation because instead of being given the crown, he wanted to earn it. So he's out like Habitat for Humanity, rebuilding uh-huh. a church. Building, yeah. And like he goes to Svartalheim and brings them the banquet that was meant to, for him because they're starving uh-huh. and they just learned how to pray uh-huh. because they weren't allowed to. Like, so, oh my God, Jason. That's so cool. And like Loki, oh God, this, I actually cried a little at this. I shouldn't have. It was silly, but I did. Loki shows up. Thor's not there, obvi. Odin's pissed because Thor's not there, obvi. Loki shows up, and sorry if this is spoilers, but like, it hits me. Loki shows up, and they're like, "You're not allowed here because you've ruined like every, you know, royal event we've ever had. You have to go." And Loki's like, "That's fine. I get it. It's cool. I just tell Thor I was here and give him this gift for me because." You know, we're ruling kings now. He fucking brought back Toothnasher from the dead. Oh. And he says, so cute. because no one should have to rule alone. Oh. <laughs> uh. And then he walks away into the white abyss, like, because that would just be awful. And you're like, oh, God, because you have to rule alone. <laughs> oh, my God. Jason Aaron, you some bitch. <laughs> so you know it'd be cool. So if uh, if Jason Aaron does indeed destroy the Marvel universe, what would be cool is if it's like Phoenix Wolverine and King Thor at the end of time, right? Yep. And they see like a rift in like time and space, and they're like, "Oh shit, there's a rift. We need to see what's on the other side." And then they like one of them for whatever reason can't go through and so probably wolverine can't go through for some reason right they come up with some reason so thor goes through wham bam the energy of him going through like erases his memories he comes out the other side galactus restarts the marvel universe oh the whole whole thing's cyclical it's like that's what happened at the beginning of the marvel universe galactus like pierced out of his dimension into ours and the energy of him doing so, like, set off the Big Bang, essentially. And then he went into hibernation and transformed into Galactus. So what if that was a fabricated memory and it was actually King Thor going through the end of time and looping back? Holy crap. And then he becomes Galactus. And that makes Galactus lazy. So then Galactus killed him anyway. You just <laughs> wrinkled my brain. I'm getting real, real deep fan fiction here, Yeah, this you guys. is getting really thick. Um, That's cool, though. One last thing about the Thor issue. Mm-hmm. Of course, he had to give a moment to Thori. Yeah, of course. And Thori's hanging out, and he's like, oh, man. So Thor decided to make peace with the giants. Nice. Because, you know, why the hell not? Let's, you know, bring peace to all of the realms, because that's what we do now. And so the giants and everybody are like, cool. And Thori's like, wait, so I don't get to kill giants anymore? And they're like, nope, sorry, bud. And he's like, this makes me angry. But then it shows this little, like, internal dialogue, and he's like, actually, it's a lot to take in, but I've never been happier about peace. Aww. And you're just like, oh, my God! <laughs> Sorry. 
everybody ends up happy. Everybody's alive. I really not I'm, the Valkyries and stuff, and yeah, yeah. you know all the other bad things. I'm still itching right now, for a Thori Miles Morales buddy comic. <laughs> I think that would be fantastic. I <laughs> I'm still this this is kind of whatever, but I need Kibblesmith to write me a Thori Lockjaw crossover event in which it's just like dogs take the universe. I mean, we we are in dire need. We're doing all these like. <laughs> I mean, it's the 80th anniversary of Marvel or whatever, their 80th birthday. They're doing all these, like, hey, remember that time we did this things? We're in dire need of a pet Avengers. Oh, my God. You know? Oh, my God, you guys. We can have Thori and Lockjaw and Tippy Toe. Oh, my God. Jeff. Jeff. Yeah, Jeff. Hell, yeah, Jeff. Jeff the Landshark. And, uh, yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, Devil Dinosaur could be on there on that team. That'd be that dope. would be cool. Yeah, that dope. would be. Ooh, 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 Goose, Goose could be on it. Yeah, the Flurkin. Oh my god. Oh my god, you guys. Okay. Yeah. All right. I don't know who needs to hear this. Writers of Marvel, hear my Cree. <laughs> hear your Cree. Yes. I didn't know you speak Cree. I only speak Ashanti. That pause was me judging him. Um, somebody write this. Somebody write us a damn pet Avengers. There's so many cool pets right now. There's so many cool pets right now. Do it. Do it. And also Thor, pick up King Thor when it comes out. Because it'll be out soon. Awesome. What else you got? Um, let's see. So I'm going to tip it over to the DC Satellite. Um, Batman Superman number one came over. We had tea. It was nice. Oh, that sounds like about. fun. Yeah, it was just a quick sounds visit. Like a good time. Um, it was a cool book. Yeah, so weird shit <laughs> happening at DC, right? Like, they were like, oh, 2019, year of the villain. And it was like, cool. And they have this yeah, overarching right. story with, like, the Doom War where, like, Lex kills himself and then reincarnates as like a half man half martian he's apex predator now he's badass he in faking his death he you know split his funds amongst all these villains so that they could achieve like his funds and technology and shit so that they could achieve their like wildest dreams right um so that's going on yep then over in batman we have city of bane where thomas wayne from flashpoint and Bane are essentially taking over Gotham and killing a bunch of major players and stuff like that. Right. Then we have Event Leviathan, which is going on, which has been not much more than the world's greatest detectives fondling themselves. Um, and now we have Batman Superman number one, which is all about this huge, huge plot, like really effective plot from the Batman and Labs. So, like, you're the villain, but, like, at some point you have to be, like, what is this whole thing gonna be about? You know, like, is Batman and Superman happening at the same time that, you know, City of Bane's happening? Is, is this it... all canon? That's what I'm saying. It's, like, where where does all of this go? And I know Batman and Superman number one is canon. Like, I know this run is canon because they've said that it is. I know Event Leviathan is canon because Leviathan pops up in other books. Oh, well, that's confusing. So, like... All like who is the main player in the year of the villain? I guess because they they're like I thought it was really creative the way they were doing this crossover event because they like have this premise 
and then you really can just continue reading your story to get your like year of the villain thing you know and while they haven't tagged batman superman or event leviathan as year of the villain leviathan is on and i think batman who laughs on some of them but no i don't i don't think so i think joker's on some of them but leviathan is on the banner on the comics that are tagged for year of the villain so he's obviously a part of it and in advertising in the back of the books they've mentioned batman superman and the batman who laughs plot in those like interview pages you know as being part of the year of the villain so all of these things that are happening with these super villains doing crazy things is part of the year of the villain but at some point you got to be like which one is the important one the villain for like who who is going to be the like whose plot is going to be the plot that's like whoa holy crap yeah you know is superman in batman and superman yes it's not called on... Batman and Elongated Man. Superman's not even on planet. Yeah. Superman's... Well, I mean, Batman's not even in Gotham. In his world, right now. Because Superman's on, like, with the Thanagarian Council doing some stupid Legion promo bullshit. Anyway. Yeah. Um. So, I don't know. So, that's a little bit confusing. But, in the grand scheme of all these, like, different Year of the Villain things... I haven't really been keeping up with the Justice League, so I don't know too much about what's happening with Do More, but the bits that I've picked up just kind of seems fairly generic in terms of, like, Lex Luthor plans. He wants to get a bunch of pieces of this thing so that he can rewrite reality. Whatever, man. Um, and then over in uh, Event Leviathan, it's, like I said, it's just the world's greatest detectives barely being able to find their left butt cheek. <laughs> they found the right one, but that left one is really just a dick and It's so sneaky. Uh, and then, you know, I've been keeping up kind of just sparingly with the whole City of Bane, but I know the big stuff that's happened, um, and it's just kind of, again, kind of generic Bane. It feels very, like, Arkham game. Like, a villain has taken over this part of the oh, city. Oh, no. Um, but this one's cool. Uh, I good. Yeah, it's the start of something really tense. Um, and it's a lot better at building the tension than Event Leviathan is. I do not care about what's going on in Event Leviathan. I'm going to read it because I'm still very curious who Leviathan is. I want to know if I'm right. Um, but it's just like, it actually built the tension. And I love stories like this where it's like, you know, some, like, someone's building a team and we got to figure out who all the, like, pieces are, like, you know, because the whole premise is that the Batman Who Laughs has figured out how to put his, like, Joker toxin that, like, turns people into, like, the Jokery versions of themselves, which in this case is, like, the dark multiverse versions of themselves. Right. Onto Batarangs. And so oh, he can, like, Lord. plug you with it, and then you, like, I'm changing, and you turn into, like, your Mr. Hyde, essentially. Dope. Um, He already got, this is no, this isn't that much of a spoiler because it's all over the internet, so I'm going to spoil it. Uh, he already got Shazam, and well, that was a really cool reveal because he, you know, the Batman Laughs has all these like twisted Robins that follow him around. Yeah. So they find one of those when they're exploring, like Batman and Superman are exploring his um his Batcave, and uh, this Robin attacks them and is like, "Don't you recognize me? My name's Billy Batson." And then Shazams. Oh damn! And beats the shit out of all of them and is. <laughs> there's a cliffhanger there that. Kind of looks like one of the two might be about to get infected. Anyway. 
Um, Best time to be Superman. So <laughs> hopefully we'll see. Um, so supposedly the whole thing that they're setting up is that the Batman Who Laughs, who, uh, God, I hope, they didn't do it in the Batman Who Laughs series, but I hope this series ends with him getting like an actual name because I'm so tired of the Batman Who Laughs. It's such a stupid name. It's It's going... so stupid. Nobody would actually call him that. And they're trying to skirt around it now so that occasionally Batman will be like, you know, the other me, the one who laughs. And it's like, dude, that's so lame. It's Like, I feel like they would call him Evil Batman or like Dark Batman before they would call him the Batman who laughs. Or like Bat Joker, the Batker, the Joke Man. I don't know. Something. I'm just spitballing here. <laughs> it's like I I, I, I hate just, to disappoint you, but just like Ghost Spider, it's gonna take years uh, for them yeah. to get over it. So excited that Ghost Spider finally back. Um, he hated Spider Gwen. Uh, Spider Gwen was name, so y'all. stupid. Well, and they she even, wasn't even Spider Gwen in the comics. Yeah, they didn't even call her that in the but comics. That's it was what just, she was referred to as, and that's what everybody knows her as. Yeah, it was just because that's how the marketing set it up. Because she was another one of those ones that was like, "We're gonna make Gwen Stacy everything." Well, and it would have been really confusing to just be like, she's Spider-Woman now, because we'd be like, but where's Jessica? Gwen Stacy, Spider-Woman. There. You have Miles Morales, Spider-Man, because God forbid we think there's a white dude under that hood, and he turns out to be a black dude. <laughs> but when it's a woman, we're just going to go with Spider-Gwen. They don't call him Spider-Miles. Dude, Miles they're... Morales, Spider-Man. Gwen Stacy, Spider-Woman. Problem solved. They, title fixed they like the name gwen there's gwenum for christ's sakes Ugh. Ugh. anyway i i'm ready for they should totally like you know they did spider-verse mm-hmm. they did venom-verse they should do a gwenaverse oh, dude. and have like gwen get sucked into a universe where she has to help other gwens so you bring in like gwar the gwen of thunder and like gwoot I would read the shit out Rocket Raguin. Oh my god, I love it. Let's do it. The Guardian, the the Gwendians of the Galaxy. Once again, calling out to the Marvel writers. Get it done. Yeah, like Gwen Quill and like Gwemora. I like Gwemora one too. Uh, and then Captain Cap Gwen America. Iron Gwen. That one's easy. Iron Gwen. The Incredible Gwulk. Gwulk? Oh, God. Maybe not the Incredible Gwulk. The Gwen-Credible Hulk. That one's better. Boom. Done. Were we talking about DC? We were. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, this book was really cool. I love those, like I said, I love those kind of things where it's like a premise is set up and... I guess just because I played video games all the time, so it was like you just move through like sequential bosses, and it was like always exciting to see like who the next boss was. But like when it's like we need to find these people and figure out who they are, and you know you get all these like different thematic type characters. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I always love shit like that. Um, so I'm excited to see where they go with it. And I think honestly, for me, out of the year of the villain stuff that I've read, this is probably the one that I think needs to be considered the like main because it's potentially going to like from what i can tell this is shazam infected with the joker virus like yeah. this isn't a shazam from another universe this is like our shazam, our shazam got hit with the batarang and turned into this evil shazam so by all intents and purposes there's now no more shazam yeah because everything that was built up in 
you know, the Batman Who Laughs miniseries was that once it takes fully a hold, there's no going back. Wow. You know? Huh. Um, like, there's you can fight it and, like, serum it out and stuff up until that point. And to prevent yourself from turning but once you've like turned to joker version there's like that's no going back tough titty um <laughs> so if he hits like i know a few of the other people that he hits because spoilers and like Internet. previews and stuff um and some of them are gonna be big friggin news if it's legit and i hope it is i hope it like i hope at least one of the secret six stays you know what i mean and they're just like this person's a Joker person now. I don't know. You know, but feels awful comic booky. It does feel comic booky. Batman's gonna come up with a cure. He he's covers his. What it's gonna be is he's gonna cover his batarangs in the serum. They're gonna develop a serum. He's gonna cover his batarangs. They're gonna go fight the Secret Six. It's gonna be all these like they're gonna be getting the crap beat out of him, and then he's gonna like wing. And it's gonna hit Shazam, and now Shazam is back on their side like instantly. He's like, woo! Thanks, B man, Shazam! And then he like flies into the sky. Yeah. And you That's know exactly starts fighting, and then and it hits someone else, and they're like, "Oh, I can't believe I'm never gonna laugh again." Canned laughter in the background, and he like smiles at the camera, and then he goes and fights. You know what I mean? And exactly. then at the end, they're all just gonna like have a nice meal together. They're gonna go to Arby's and get some cheese sticks. They're gonna go get some shawarma. I was not gonna say shawarma because we're going back to Marvel. <laughs> So anyway, it. Batman Superman number one, now that I've wasted a million hours on that <laughs> tirade, uh, it's pretty good. This is going to be a pretty quick one. I'm switching this over to indie. Um, there was a one-shot Buffy Chosen Ones number one. Um, I really enjoyed it. It was basically a three, I think it was only three, part um, book that highlighted three of the different um, slayers in nice. history. There was one from, like, Native American uh, time, like, back with Spaniards just coming over, and there was, like, a Spanish vampire colony. There was one with, like, a cool French chick in, like, the early 1800s. Nice. Oui. And then there was one... There was another one. Oh, there was a really cool one about, like, maybe the first Slayer was, like, 14th century or something? I don't know. Um... But it was all just really cool stories. It's one of those things that sucks about Whedon versus is that they kind of end up in like a bubble. And <clears> while <throat> there's like all this depth to them, we always end up only hearing about the specific characters that Joss presented in his pieces. Yeah. So like the Buffy verse is a huge verse mm -hmm. but we only ever really know about you know buffy and willow and and xander and mm -hmm. like the standards and like same with angel and honestly same with firefly and this one felt very similar to the compilation that i talked about like a couple months ago where it was the firefly one with the like kind of like spotlight on the different women mm -hmm. and and i it's just cool it's cool to see other pieces parts of the universe being elaborated on yeah. That's what, I've, sense. that's what I've always said when, you know, because the fanship is constantly fighting, like, give us more Firefly. We want more Firefly. We don't want more Firefly. No, we don't. We want another show in set that. in that universe. Yep. yep. You know, that's another, exactly it could be called Firefly and they could be flying around on the same ship, whatever. That would probably be too much. That would be dumb. Um, but I love that universe. It's a great universe. It's a great aesthetic. You know, the music was great. 
the visuals were great. The acting, admittedly, was great, and the characters were great, and they brought a lot to it, but you could get that again. Yeah. You know? And there just are other good actors. set it in that universe from, like, a different perspective. You know, and that's what I've always said about Star Wars, is while it's great that we have all these movies coming out, continuing these trilogies on, like, the Skywalker saga, it's going to be so refreshing when we get away from that. Like, I'm super excited for The Mandalorian. Rogue One was easily the only good movie to come out of the new movies. Don't at me. You know? I still like Solo. Solo was okay. But it was just so fan y And, like, somebody... It, finally, I was watching a YouTube video, and they said something about it that, like, is totally what I felt, but I just couldn't get into words. It answers questions no one's asking. It's just like, hey, here's an origin of this thing of Hans. And it's like, yeah. cool, but I don't care. Like, That's no one true. cares why he was named Solo. We don't need a last name origin. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like... No That's one does an true. Abraham Lincoln biopic and then the first 45 minutes are an etymological look at the last name Lincoln so that we can have its origin. You know what I mean? It's true. It's true. I won't argue with it. But Yeah. I etymological. Also... I don't even know if that's how that's said, but it sounded right. It sounds right. Uh, <laughs> but I liked, I well, I liked Solo because yeah. it was fan servicey and I am the fan they were trying to <laughs> service. Yeah. But that's the thing. It's like, you know, these universes are so rich and, like, packed with lore and packed with aesthetics. So it's cool when you branch away yeah. from, like, the stories and story arcs that we've seen and have played out and played out. And you move in and you're like, hey, let's look at this side of the world. Right. And that's why The Mandalorian is going to be cool because there's just not enough stories hitting, like, kind of big media. You know, and granted, this is Disney Plus. It's Disney streaming service. But it's still super heavy budget if you watch that trailer it's like high budget yeah and it might as well be a movie it's just gonna be longer um but it's about like outer rim and bounty hunters and stuff and you don't get a lot of that like the outer rim in the movies is always just like some place where people go to hide from the empire it's never like this rich culture and like this deep world of these people trying to like cut a living in this like wilderness this like wild western space yeah. You know? So. By the way, sidebar, <clears throat> if you're wondering why we haven't talked about the Rise of the Skywalker trailer, it's because neither one of us has Someone watched it. I don't give a shit. Because I think we're, I, I'm trying to go in blind. Mm -hmm. If I have less anticipation, if I have less presumption, if I go in with a clean slate, I feel like it's going to be a better situation for me and then for you who has to listen to me ramble about it for an hour. I, I am... <laughs> I want to be optimistic about Rise of Skywalker. And this is super off the rails. I have one more comic to talk about, but we'll get there. Um, I want to be optimistic about Rise of Skywalker. I did not like Force Awakens. I did not like Last Jedi. Just flat out did not enjoy them. And, you know, it's cool to, like, hate on people. And I think we've covered that on the podcast. Is like, it's cool to hate on people that didn't like the movie and be like, you just didn't get it or you don't understand cinema or blah, blah, blah. But, like... They weren't great. Like, just admit it. They were not good movies. They weren't cohesive. The writing was off. Acting was good. Visuals were great. It, they were just kind of a mess, movie-wise, organization-wise. And, yeah. you know, they're telling stories that, honestly, I feel like we don't need to hear. So I want to go into Rise of the Skywalker and be like, cool, I'm ready for this. Or I guess, is, is it Rise of the Skywalker or Rise of Skywalker? I think it's Rise of Skywalker. Anyway. Um, I want to go into the final movie of the trilogy and be, like, optimistic. But the things the I... The Rise of Skywalker. The Rise of Skywalker. 
I was moving the the. Um, <laughs> but, you know, A, the things I know about the trailer, like the things I know about what happened in the trailer kind of frustrate me because it really just seems like pandery trailer like garbage yeah marketing garbage essentially everyone's like oh raised in a black hood with a red lightsaber and i'm like it's gonna be green guaranteed guaranteed it's gonna be like the luke going into the cave fighting darth vader sequence it's gonna be like the same thing that like she those, did in what the last yeah one? it's gonna be one of those trippy dark side things that's it and disney knows that and they're putting that out there to fuck with you and to make you <laughs> want to see the movie um but that, you know, that aside, I personally feel like if I look, watch the trailer and watch it again and watch it again, go through it, like I have done in the past with Star Wars movies, I'll watch the trailer and watch it and watch it and watch it and I'll try to get like all the lore because I think <laughs> I love Star Wars lore. Um, if I do that, it is not going to make me feel better or worse about the movie, just looking at it realistically. Like, yeah. it's, it's not going to – I'm not going to go into the movie, and if it is on par with the other movies, I'm like, well, at least I watched that trailer a million times. You know, the trailer was really good, you know? <laughs> and at the same time, if I watch it a bunch and happen to get excited about stuff and it doesn't pan out the way I want it to, it'll make me feel worse about the movie. Yes. So, honestly, where I'm at with the trailer, because I've had a bunch of people asking me because I'm hanging around with nerds all the time, being like, did you see the Skywalker trailer? No, I haven't, and I don't plan to, and I don't plan to watch a single trailer. If I'm at a movie and the trailer comes on, then I'll see it, but it's just because, honestly, it's not going to make me feel better about the movie. The movie has to earn that right, and the trailer's not going to do anything for it, but it could potentially make me make feel worse, worse about this movie, especially coming off of two movies I did not enjoy. Force, so. a, Force <clears throat> Awakens had potential, in my opinion, but I went in with so much hype to Last Jedi that... I need to go in with no expectations to this movie. Mm. Because if I go in the way I did the last time, and if I do happen to be disappointed, not saying I will be, but if I happen to be disappointed, it's going to be a real bad day. Yeah. So, anyway. Last comic I wanted to talk about is, I believe it's from IDW. It's called Mountainhead. Uh, so, Mountainhead, number one. IDW book. Written by John Leese. Uh, with art by Ryan Lee and colors by Doug Garbark. Um, I want to open by saying, Ryan Lee, dude, your art is like if old school 90s Nickelodeon artists were like, let's talk dysfunction. Um, <laughs> it literally looks like the kids from Rocket Power got shoehorned up into the mountains with serial killers and like thugs. Oh it's crazy. The art is cool. That's I like awesome. it. Everyone's got like misshapen heads and like weird lanky bodies and big hands and like the shading's all really edgy. Uh, it's cool. It's a cool book. It uh, has a lot of deep stuff kind of bubbling at the surface. They haven't really touched, like they gave you the premise and they haven't touched on too much of this like deep stuff that they're talking about. But everywhere from like both the nature and nurture of paranoia. So like how... You know, some people can have paranoia because their mental stuff is not all there. Right. But enough exposure to those types of people or being raised by those types of people can instill that into children. Right, yeah. Um, as well as, like, the nature of, like, what it's like to be a kidnapping victim and suddenly be, like, returned home to your family and all this stuff. Huh. Um, it's super cool. Uh, and, you know, it seems to have this general, like, running alongside the paranoia stuff seems to have this like attempt to look at like what makes a family 
like what is a family is it blood is it raising you is it treating you well like what makes a family um and then and you know on top of the whole thing is some sort of supernatural thing pertaining to the mountains the rockies the canadian rockies so we'll see i don't know what's going on in those mountains yet all i've seen is some naked dude like strolling out of the mountains covered in blood and then falling down dead um but it looks intense so (laughs) sounds good to me yeah yeah. any book that opens with like some like obviously crazed naked dude standing around what looks to be a camp of hikers that are like brutally murdered is a good start to a book (laughs) (laughs) so mountainhead number one pick it up it's got a really cool one in ten variant by ryan stegman if you can find your get your hands on that one um but the main cover by uh lee is also very very good very cool so awesome well i think that wraps this up you guys that wraps it up with plenty of like total off the rails tirades mixed in there for you guys yeah sorry about that but you knew what you were getting into i'm not gonna apologize for being me you can just deal with it yep but please also don't stop listening we appreciate you thank you so just much for your patience. deal with it for us so we will catch you next week on the next episode of cover you